0: All right, if you got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen or in your outline or use the Central Church app, Second um, Kings, Second uh, Kings chapter 6. That's where we're going to be at all day. Um, this is week number two of our series called I a Work in Progress. Last week, we talked about what to do when troubles come our way. Um, and we talked about we're to consider it all joy. We're considering an opportunity for joy when troubles come in because we talked about the testing of our faith produces endurance and the more we walk with Jesus the more we step towards maturity and that should be our ultimate goal and we talked about how difficult it is Um, to consider an opportunity for joy because when troubles come into our lives, we just want to run. And I told you when it came to that verse in James that I'm straight up a work in progress. I have a difficult time with that. I know what the Bible says. I know about the endurance thing, but it's still one of those things where I just look at and I say, man, I want to get there. I desire to be there, but I'm working to get there. So if you missed that last week, jump online and, and have a listen to that. This week, um, we're going to talk. Well, let me let me set it up like this. Um, I'll start out with a with a confession. Um, I know you guys love it when I do confession time um, because it makes everybody feel normal. Like I'm not the only one that struggles with this. And so um, today, my confession is I'm a dog person. How many of you didn't know that? Like, uh, I'm a dog. I am not a cat person at all. I am 100 percent a dog person. Um, I have I have three dogs. I have a mutt. Her name is Izzy. Um, I have an idiot coonhound. His name is Titus. He really is an idiot. Like that thing. I'm gonna tell you what. Anybody wants to have a coonhound. Um, come on by my family's out of town. He's free. Happy father's day. Um, and then, and then I've got a lab. His name is Zeno and you guys know Zeno. Zeno is my main boy. Um, I love this dog. He's slightly demon possessed. Um, but, but I love him. I do. He's full of energy, always full of energy. That's why I say he's demon possessed. Like, like Zeno has two speeds on crack or in rehab. Like, that's it. Like, that's, I mean, he's wide open, or he's just chilled out. And and when he goes to bed at nighttime, like, he, he just somehow gets super calm. Like, he'll go throughout the whole entire day, like, he'll run, 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 and then he just gets to a point where he's just like, all right, I'm done. I'm collapsed. I'm out. So, a while back, um, Mary and the kids were out of town, and uh Zeno and I are laying in bed. Yes, he sleeps with me. Don't judge me. All right. It's, it's my dog. You do what you want with your dog. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm home alone. Zeno's in bed. I'm on my phone. I'm doing all the stuff experts say not to do because I have trouble sleeping and I'm not supposed to be on my phone. I'm not supposed to watch TV. I'm supposed to just go to sleep, right? And so, but I'm answering emails and I'm checking Facebook and I'm doing all this stuff. And Zeno's laying right next to me, super calm. All of a sudden he looks out our bedroom door. And he starts to growl. Now he doesn't do that. Like that's not him. He is not a growler. He's a he's a lover. He's a like, hey, where's the party? <laughs> like that's that's him. He does not get angry or upset. And so I'm like, all right, buddy, it's okay. Like just chill out. Like I don't I don't know what your problem is. I don't know if you're having like a bad dream or what's going on, but it's fine. All of a sudden, the hair on his back stands up. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that happen with a dog? And he, and he's showing his teeth. Like he's I've never ever seen him show his teeth. He's just like, just mad. I'm like, oh, dang, man. Like wh- what's, what's going on? Cause somebody's in my house. Like at that point, like that's where my mind went to. Like I'm home alone, just me and the dog. And now somebody's in the house. Next thing I know he's up on all fours and he's just barking at the door. So I'm thinking I got to get the gun. And so I'm moving up the door. I'm like, here we go. I'm going to start shooting through the wall. This is going to be, I am literally freaked out by this point. Turns out he was barking at something that somebody had placed on a table outside of our door. I looked at him and I'm like, you big chicken. He looked back at me. He's like, why are you holding a gun? And I'm like, I don't know. But I was like, freaked out man he freaked out and then I freaked out and that that reminds me um, of a concept that I hear so very often and you've probably heard it too fear is contagious is it not fear is contagious I I was perfectly calm until my dog lost his dang mind and when my dog freaked out I freaked out and about shot through my wall because I was fearful fear is contagious yes or no Yeah, I love it when you get scared and people step into your life and say, oh, don't be scared. Oh, thank you so much. You are such a genius. You have helped me so much with your advice, telling me just don't be afraid. I I know what the Bible says. I saw this so much on social media, and you probably did too back when COVID was very rampant. People say, hey, you shouldn't be scared because the Bible says 366 times, one for every day of the year, including leap year. Yeah, it does. The Bible does say, do not fear. A lot of times, there are a lot of verses, and that's great, do not fear. But when it comes to fear, I'm not there yet. I'm still a work in progress, because there are times that I get absolutely freaked out. Like, like, let's, let's just go through some things. Like when, when the COVID stuff first started coming out, remember they were saying we were all gonna die? Remember that? At the very beginning, we're all going to die like you're going to walk into a grocery store and there's going to be like a cloud of COVID-19. And you walk through it and you just drop dead in the middle of the aisle or whatever. Now, I'll admit, I, 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 there were times I was fearful during that. With, with the gas prices doing what they're doing right now, with the interest rate hike that we all looked at and saw this week. When we hear about what might happen, man, that causes panic. It causes uncertainty, and those things ultimately lead to fear. Listen, there are things that are going to happen to you. There are things that are going to happen to me, to all of us, that are going to cause us to have fear. And if we're honest, a lot of times we'll step into churches or a Christian environment where there are people who are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good, and they'll say, oh, if you're fearful... That means you don't love God. That means you don't love Jesus or whatever. And I wish people would stop saying dumb stuff. I, I do. Because this is all fear is. Th- this is. This is what fear is. This is Ryan's definition of fear. Fear is forgetting that God is in control. Th- that's it. It's that simple. Fear is forgetting that God is in control. And every single one of us, me especially, forget this. That's why the Bible says it 366 times, not as a rebuke, but as a reminder that God is in control. A reminder that you and I, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to live in a constant state of fear. And I'll get into this in just a little while. But if you're living in fear, it means we've got to shift our focus because God is not giving us a spirit of fear. Even though there are some scary things going on in the world, it's not coming from God. Because guess what? When this crisis is over, There'll be another one to replace it. We are going to have a crisis for the rest of our lives. And I'm not saying that to be gloom and doom. I'm just saying it's a reality, right? And so today, we have to decide, are we going to live by fear or are we going to live by faith? And for me, at times, that's tough. Because while the Bible does 100% say, do not fear. I'm going to, again, let you know, I'm not there yet. I'm still a work in progress. But today, I hope that I and you, that we, can get one step closer. Now, there are all kinds of stories to talk about in the Bible that we can use to illustrate this. But the one in 2 Kings chapter 6, I love how it captures it. So that's what we're going to use. So 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 8. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. Now, ordinarily... We just skip over this verse because we, we have to stop because this verse is absolutely loaded. And it's going to take me a second to unpack it and set up where we're going with it. Um, the king of Aram and the King of Israel were at war. They were two kingdoms that hated, 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 hated each other. And so they were at war with each other. And the king of Aram, he he comes he comes up with all of these different plans on how he's going to um, he's gonna attack Israel. Now remember, keep this in mind. Israel represented the people of God. When we see that in, in the Bible, Israel is, is God's people, representing the, God's people. And as we look at that, I want us to be reminded that all of us who are God's people, we live in a world of war. Listen to me, don't miss that. God's people live in a world at war. We do, right? We, we live in a world at war. Would you agree with that, yes or no? Yes. This is not a world of peace, this is a world of war, both physically and spiritually. And, and, and I, know, I know we say this all the time, and you've heard this all the time, that God has a plan for your life, right? We, we say that. I say that all the time. God has a plan for your life. You were created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And God has a, a plan for your life. But there's a secondary part of that that we don't really talk about. We don't talk about it because it's scary. Like we always hear, God has a plan for your life. And again, I believe that. I live that. I understand that. But guess what? The enemy has a plan for your life too. And his plan, the Bible says, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the major weapons he uses to do that is fear. He shifts our focus from how big God is to to the problem that's right in front of us. And why is it we always reduce God to the size of our biggest problem? He's bigger than anything we're going through, yes or no? Yes, he's bigger than anything. But the enemy's plan is to shift our focus off of God and onto our problem. And all of us, all of us, me included, fall victim to that plan so often. The enemy's plan for us, is to, the enemy's got a plan for us, and his main weapon is fear. Let's keep going. Verse 9. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn, Elisha's a prophet, that's what the man of God means here. Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel. Do not go near that place. For the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. So the enemy keeps coming up with a plan. right? The king of Aram keeps coming up with a plan. And Elisha keeps telling the king of Israel what the plans are. This, this reminded me. Now, some of you... Um, Aren't gonna, aren't gonna understand this, but give me a minute to kinda walk you through this and explain it. Years ago, there was an entertainment system that came out called Nintendo. Remember Nintendo? Just regular Nintendo. How many of you had regular Nintendo? Not Super Nintendo, not Nintendo Switch. Not, I don't even know what Nintendo there is now, but that thing, that old school. This thing back when, when it first came out, this thing was awesome. Now, this came out back in the day where when you bought a game, you kept the game for the rest of forever. You didn't have to keep purchasing in-app things along the way. It wasn't that scam. You bought the game and the game was yours. And if the game didn't work, you took it out and you did what? Everybody knows. You blow on it. You put it back in, and it worked. That's how it worked. Well, there was a game that came out called Tecmo Bowl. Everybody loved Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl was the greatest, and at the time, those were like some of the greatest graphics ever in a video game system, right? Now, when you played Tecmo Bowl, you had four plays, Four plays. You could run or you could pass. You could you could run this way. You could run that way. You could pass this way or you could pass that way. Like like that was it. That was the playbook. This is actually the playbook that the Iowa Hawkeyes still use today. Um, but <laughs> anyway, you could run. You better take it off. Somebody's gonna kill me. You could run or you could pass. Now here's the thing about it. Um, put that put that playbook back up there. If you as an offense, you put the first one back up there, if you if you as an offense, if you picked run number one and the defense picked run number one. You shut that play down every time. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't run the play. If, if you have an offense pick pass number two and the defense pick pass number two, you couldn't do it because as soon as you hit start, the defense killed you. If you pick the opponent's play, you shut them down every time. Don't miss that. If you pick the opponent's play, you shut them down every single time. Now, let's go back and see what's happening in this story again. Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near the place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha, uh, uh, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. So the, the king of Aram kept coming up with these battle plans. And Elisha would tell the king of Israel, hey, don't go there. Don't go there. He, he's, he's running pass number two, like don't go. And the king of Aram would come up with another plan. And Elisha would say, nope, it's run number one. He's going to be there. Don't go, don't go, don't go. And this is a reminder to us that even though the enemy has a plan, God knows the enemy's plans. And God's plans are greater than the enemy's plans. God's plans are greater than the enemy's plans. Amen? Amen. Listen, if we will spend some time focusing on Jesus instead of focusing on the problem, he will lead us away from the problem. Don't believe me? Think about this. Have you ever had in your mind the spirit of God tell you, hey, don't send that text. Hey, don't make that phone call. Hey, don't don't do that thing. Hey, don't go to that place. You ever been there? Has that ever happened to you? And so think about this, if we would just listen to the Lord, and I struggle with this as much as anybody else, but if we'll just listen to the Lord on a consistent basis, he will always lead us away from the enemy's plans because he knows the enemy's playbook and his plans are greater than the enemy's plans. L- listen, this is not like two equal forces going at it um, head to head. God reigns. God reigns. God reigns. God is supreme. God is in control. God is not watching some 24-hour news network trying to figure out how he's going to solve the current crisis. He's already got it covered because he's outside of time. He knows the enemy's plan and he's going to take the enemy's plan and he's going to use them for the greater good because that's what he always does. Always. So he knows where the enemy is going to be. He knows what the enemy is going to do. And right here, he's using Elisha to communicate that. So it gets tense and Aram. In fact, this is what I need you to understand before we go on. There's a spiritual fight for our focus. And where we focus will determine how we feel. It's a spiritual fight for our focus. And where we focus will determine how we feel. Like, don't don't miss that. The fight right now... It's for our focus. And, and this is what I know from my life personally and from so many others. If we're full of fear, it's not because we're focused on God. It's because we're focused on the circumstances around us. Listen, I'm not dogging anybody right now. This is, this is me letting you know that anytime I'm filled with fear, it's not because I'm focused on God. Because remember... Fear is contagious. And so my fear comes from when I'm focused on what's going on around me. And when I focus on what's going on around me, I cannot focus on God. Now, I don't know if that's true for you. That's all the way true for me. Now, this is what happens. This is where in verse 11, this gets crazy because the king of Aram is mad, right? He keeps sending and they know and he keeps sending and they know and he, he's ticked off. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded... Which one of you is the traitor? Like somebody's telling my secrets. Who's doing it? Which one of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel on my plans? Because I keep coming up with these great battle plans. And somebody, somebody's talking. And so we're not leaving this room till we figure out. I want to know who the traitor is. And I don't know what he was expecting. Some guy in the back to go, oh, it's me, king. I'm doing it. Like, I don't know if that's what he had in his head. but But he wants to know what's going on. And then this next verse. This next verse, every time I read this, this is, this is just funny to me. I'll, I'll show you why. It's not us, my lord the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Now let's talk about this for a second. It's not like, it's not like he's talking about battle plans in the bedroom, is he? Like, like, think, think about it like this: You and I, in our lives, we we talk differently depending on where we are, right? Like, 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 for example, we have what is known as front door talk, right? Front door talk. Front door talk is somebody knocks on the door. Uh, can I help you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, how, how you doing? Um, pretty good. C- can I can I help you with something? Yeah. Can I come in? No, probably not. Like, um, I, I'm busy, right? Just go away. You got front door talk. Then you've got living room talk. Living room talk is where it becomes a little bit more personal because you've got people in your living room that you know that you like. Hey, how you doing? Everybody good? Can I get you something? Would you like some water? Would you like some lemonade? Would you like whatever? Would, what, anything I can get you? Hey, um, you want to take off your shoes? No, you don't want to take off your shoes because you don't have socks on? Cool. That's awesome. Whatever. We, we've got living room talk. And then... You've got bedroom talk, right? Now, would we agree that bedroom talk and front door talk are a little bit different? They should be. If not, I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just saying that'd be weird if you answer your front door, hello, how you doing? Like, that would be weird, right? And so anyway, this right here, like this is legit because the officers are telling them, hey, you think he knows your battle plans? Dude, he knows what you're doing in the bedroom. In fact, we all know, because we've read his blog. It was great. It was interesting. Man, you're weird, king. And so anyway, it goes on, and the king is super mad. He just keeps getting madder. Verse 13, go and find out where he is. we got to find this guy. He's talking about me in my bedroom. Get out there and find him. Go find where he is, the king commanded, so I could send troops, troops to seize him. Now he could have sent an assassin. He could have sent like whatever his version of the Navy SEALs would be. But uh-uh. He talking about me? In my bedroom? We're gonna shut this thing down immediately. And we're gonna shut it down. We're gonna show him we mean business. I'm sending everybody. Send troops. Go and find out where he is. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. And Elisha thought that he was safe in Dothan verse 14 so one night so, so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city you ever been in a situation where you were surrounded by people that wanted to hurt you anybody anybody ever been that I have, um, I don't have time to go into the whole story, but many, 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 many years ago, a friend of mine, he liked to run his mouth. Anybody got a friend that loves to run their mouth? Don't, don't point. Don't, don't, don't point right now. Don't, don't do that. Um, But he loved to run his mouth and he got in a bad situation and he came up to me and he's like, hey, Ryan, um, I might've said some stuff I probably shouldn't have had and I might get beat up. And I'm just wondering if you could help me out of the situation. Do you have my back? I was like, yeah, man, I got your back. Worse. Thing to say. Because 30 minutes later, this is a true story. 30 minutes later, he and I are standing in a circle with like seven other guys around us. It was not going to go good. It was me and him, and he couldn't fight, by the way. Like he, he just couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. He ran his mouth, but he couldn't fight, and we're surrounded. Now I was intimidated. Actually, I was terrified. And he was standing there, continually running his mouth. He never shut up. I was like, you know what, guys? If I just hit him, would you like let me be on your team? If I just knocked him out, would you like let me do that? But we were surrounded. And all of a sudden, because of divine intervention or whatever, somebody saw what was going on and somebody had called the police. And the police came and everybody started running. And he, he about started running, but I grabbed him. I said, don't run, don't run. Because I know, don't run when the police come, right? If you stay put, they'll chase everybody else that's running. And so everybody else ran and we stayed put. I never will forget that, ever. How it felt to be surrounded. Like if you're surrounded and you're going to get beat up, that is a fearful situation. That group of guys, they're going to beat us up. And it started out with them trying to intimidate us. And that's what Satan is trying to do to many of you. In fact, a lot of people today, you're dealing with fear. And the reason you're dealing with fear is because, don't don't miss this, is because the enemy sees more potential in you than you see in you. And if he can shut you down by intimidating you and causing you to fear, you'll back down from God's God's plan for your life. Have you ever thought that maybe the reason the enemy's coming after you so hard is because he knows if you ever get on with what God wants you to do, you'll be unstoppable? In fact, I think the reason the enemy is trying to intimidate us is because he knows what God is going to initiate through us. I believe he knows what God is gonna initiate through us, and that's why he continually tries to intimidate us. And maybe today, maybe you're here, and you've had this hope, you've had this thought, you've had this dream, this idea, you've had this plan. And fear is the only thing holding you back. Fear is the only thing keeping you from taking your next step. And I'm here to tell you, if God spoke it to your heart, do it. Do it. Do not fear. Because the Bible says "For greater is he who is with us than he who is in the world. You and I, we can do exactly what God has called us to do. Exactly what he has called us to do. Well, this story, it gets absolutely crazy. Verse 15, when the servant of man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Now, I want to stop and I want to talk about this for a second because if anybody should have had faith in the confidence of God, it should have been the servant of the man of God. It should have been the prophet's servant. Am I, am I right? Like this is Elisha's right hand dude. This, this guy had seen Elisha performed miracles that none of us have ever seen. We've never seen the stuff that Elisha did. Elisha was, was doing crazy stuff. He was healing people. He raised people from the dead. We, we've never seen that one. Like, Elisha was doing some absolutely awesome stuff. And listen, the servant of the man of God. You can't get any closer to God than the servant of the man of God, Right? If anybody should have had faith and the confidence that God was big, that God was strong, that God could do anything, it should have been this guy. But as soon as he put, don't miss this, as soon as he put his focus on the enemy, what was the result? Fear. Fear. All I'm saying is none of us, none of us are too godly to not deal with fear. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus often tells his closest followers, do not fear. Fear. Do not fear. It's a reminder, not a rebuke. It's a reminder because we all lose our focus. There are a couple of stories in the New Testament. One of them is Mark chapter four. It's one of my favorite stories. The disciples and Jesus are out on a boat and a huge storm comes upon them. And Jesus had been down below and he'd been asleep. The Bible says that these guys are so terrified. They wake up Jesus and they're like, hey, don't you care if we drown? And and the Bible says this. It says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Have Have I not shown you? Have I not shown you? He says, do you still have no faith? Fear happens to all of us when we lose our focus. Peter, you know the story of Peter walking on water? It's another story where there's a storm and the disciples are out on the boat. They're all by themselves and they're freaking out and they look and here comes Jesus walking across the water and they're terrified because they thought it was a ghost and all of us would be terrified in that moment. But Jesus cries out to them and says, hey, do not be afraid. It is I. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord, call me out. Call me out to come to you. And Peter steps out onto the water. And what happens? Peter starts walking, right? Right. Peter starts walking, Peter starts walking, and then all of a sudden the Bible says, and he heard the winds and the waves, and he looked. And what happened when he looked, when he took his focus off of Jesus? What happened? He fell. He fell. When he got afraid, he took his focus off of Jesus, and he fell. Fear happens to every single one of us. In this story, the servant of the man of God lost his focus. He looked at the size of the enemy with all of its troops, horses and chariots. I mean, the king is coming at Elisha with everything he had. By the way, that's how hard the enemy is coming after you. The the, the more he, the, the harder he comes after you, the more he's intimidated by you. Well, actually, Jesus in you specifically. But see, what happens here is he says, Do not be afraid, Elisha told him, which once again, that, that never works for me. That's never worked for me. I'm freaking out, man. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Hey, man, the Bible says don't be afraid. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. You should write a book. You should teach a class on that. That has never worked. Just don't be afraid, right? Uh, if that doesn't, if that works for you, great. But for me, I'm still a work in progress. Don't be afraid. Some of you, understand this, because some of you are freaking out because of the situation, like the current circumstances that you're in. Maybe, maybe you lost a job or whatever, and somebody steps up and says, don't be afraid. It only makes you more afraid because you're afraid that you're afraid, right? Like that, that works on me too. Right here, Elisha says, do not be afraid, but there was something that followed that up. He said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, let's just be honest here. If you're the servant of the man of God, and you see horses, and chariots, and troops all around you, and the prophet comes up to you and goes, "Hey man, don't be scared. We got more people." In that situation, I'm like, "Um, all right, man. Um, what you been smoking? Because because you're like high on something. Because listen, I'm not great at math, but there's like one, two, like me, me and you, one, two. Even if we double that up." One, two, three, four, like, like we're like Elisha, there are all kinds of people out there. But then this happens and this is what I'm praying happens to all of us today because all of us in some capacity are going to deal with fear. Verse 17, then Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. See, there's something that happens when you just look at things from a purely human standpoint. But no matter what the thing is in your life that's causing you fear, I wonder what would happen today if all of us in here would literally just say, okay, God, open my eyes and let me see this situation like you see this situation. God, open my eyes. God, open my eyes. Because the servant of the man of God thought they were going to have to have a fight. And it wasn't going to be a very long fight. He knew they were going to get killed. Two people versus an entire army, they were going to get killed. Yes or no? Yes. And Elisha says, hey, you're looking at this all wrong. Stop looking at this from man's point of view and look at this from God's point of view. Remember, we said last week, God, help me see things from your perspective. See how this goes all together? See, see, See who is in control here? Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And when he looked up, when he looked up, the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, remember we've talked about this before, you've got to look up, right? That's, that's key. Look up, not down, not around. Look where? Up, look up. When he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. You see, he thought, we're surrounded. We're going to die. What he didn't know is God had actually surrounded the enemy that surrounded them. Because God is bigger than the enemy, right? God is bigger than our problem. God is bigger than the circumstance. God is bigger than whatever has us shaking in our shoes. Oh, Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes and let him see the enemy. Now, I I can't prove this, but I'm willing to bet as soon as the servant of God saw the horses and the chariots and the fire, he was just like, whew, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because that's what I would be doing, wouldn't you? Well, the enemy's not done. He's still coming. And so I love this. As the Aramean army advanced, because they were still coming, as the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, please make them blind. That, it was just a four-word prayer. That's it. Please make them blind. Please make them blind. Please make them blind. That's it. That's it. This would be like us praying, please help me out. Please hear my prayer. Please open my eyes. It doesn't have to be super long. We don't have to pray for 30 or 45 minutes. It's super simple. Oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And the thing that had caused fear in the servant of the man of God actually became a stepping stone for faith. Because because of this event, he knew who God was and that God was in control. And so the prayer, the prayer that I'm hoping that we'll all walk away with today is this. Lord, help me not to fear by reminding me that you are near. Lord, help me not to fear by reminding me that you are near. I might be surrounded, but you've surrounded my enemy. He's trying to intimidate me. You're trying to initiate me to press on. You're you're trying to to build that endurance in me. Because we have a God who really does reign, who really is in control. No matter the circumstance, no matter what is going on around us, when we focus on God and not the size of, 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 of our problem, our eyes are open to who he is and what he wants us to do. Open my eyes. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Remind me that you are near. Remind me the battle is yours. Because at the end of the day, you reign. Remind me you're in control. Let's pray. Father, right now, I pray over these next few moments, God, that you'll speak to our hearts. God, I know that there may be some of us right now in this place who are dealing with fear, dealing with uncertainty, dealing with hopelessness, dealing with doubts. And Father, I pray right now you would speak specifically to the person who needs to take that step of faith. And fear is the only thing holding them back. God, I pray you would fill them with faith over these next several moments instead of fear. God, we love you. We praise you. And we give this time over to you to move in the ways you can through the power of your Holy Spirit in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.